Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Just watched the video. The Arizona Cardinals tweeted out from their official. Oh, they were going to see Murray. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see that? Hey, Kyler's in the weight room. Yeah, but like like Michael and Jonathan Gannon are walking out of the facility, and Mike and I had the sound down, but Michael I think says to Gannon like, "Hey, I think Kyler's in the weight room," and so Gannon like one eighty whoop spins around, starts running down the hallway, like literally he's running down the hallway. Well, I'll go meet up, him. Let's opens go. up a double door, goes into the weight room, gives the bro hug to Kyler and all of that stuff. It was. Uh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool to see. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show. We welcome you in. Uh, John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, hanging out with you. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us on a busy day. Obviously, the big news of the day, Jonathan Gannon is the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll have Darren Urban from azcardinals.com. Kind of to talk about the process and sort of how this all came together, because it was a obviously very strange head coaching search and how long it took and how many different people they spoke to. And, of course, one of the things, Gambo, that we need to talk about is kind of hearkening back to something that our Eagles guy told us yesterday that if it were him, he wouldn't hire Jonathan Cannon to be his head coach of the Cardinals because, in his opinion, the Cardinals needed an offensive mind to get the most out of Kyler. Well, that's what they had the last time with Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. You had an offensive mind. I mean, you brought him in because you thought he would be great. You thought he'd be, you know, the next McVay or Shanahan and, and just have this incredible offense. It didn't work out that way. You know, Kyler, you know, Kyler did some good things and the offense definitely improved and uh, Cliff. Teams went from three wins to five wins to eight wins and 11 wins. And it was some success. That wasn't a total failure. But listen, I think me and you talked about this. It's not so much offense or defense. Do you have the right guy? Do you come away believing that this guy is a leader, that this guy can get the most out of players, that they're going to want to run through the wall, that he can build a good staff, that he's a good communicator, that he's not, as you like to say, the coach bro type, that he can hold guys accountable? Oh, that's you know, a big and that's going to be right the biggest there. question. That's can a you, big word. Can you hold these guys accountable? Can you can you make sure that you get the most out of him? Because I do think in you know in 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 Camp Bro, I think a lot of guys were able to you know coast a little bit. Oh, you're able, you're yeah. able to coast a little bit, and I think you don't want that feeling. You want to push these guys hard. You want to get them. There are players that want to be pushed. Okay, I push me. Get the most out of me. That's going to make me the most money. That's going to have me the most success. But they need that. They need that coach that's going to push them. I'm sure you've had, you, you were smart. I'm sure you had a teacher that pushed you to get more out of you, um, at some point in your life and not the one that, that got you busted for plagiarism. That lady. Oh, you know what? That lady did. I mean. Yes, she kept me out of the National Honor Society. She pushed me. She she, she certainly pushed me to another level of trying mm. to do things better because, you know, I, I, she accused me of what I did. Mitch, I do want you, if you could, since we're talking about this, find that Isaiah Simmons quote from when he was on Pro Football Talk, when he was the, the two quotes that he gave to Florio about the coaching, wanting to get pushed, how easy the camp was, because that really speaks to Guys what Campbell was talking about. Because right I, here. so I don't think it's an offense defense thing. I don't think we choose defense over offense. Look, clearly they had a lot more of their money invested on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side of the ball this past year. But there's a lot of good players on that defense, and if you can build a great defense, you can win. You've got Isaiah Simmons, you've got Zayvon Collins, you've got Buda Baker, you've got Byron Murphy, who I think you're going to keep. 
You've got Zach Allen. Like, there's talent there. You want to get the most out of that talent. So I don't think you could. I really, I am happy that they didn't go into this and they, they, they were just tunnel vision on, I got to hire the coach that's going to get the most out of Kyler Murray. What about the rest of the team? Yeah. What about the defense, the special teams? What about everybody else? So I am glad that it wasn't tunnel vision. Let's just get find the guy that's going to get the most out of Kyler Murray. It's got to be the team, not just Kyler. So you'll find a coach that could work with Tyler. So I am happy about that. Mitch, if you would, uh, oh, Mitch is talking to our boss. Would you hit that sound bite for me? Uh, the one from Isaiah Simmons? Oh, he was talking to the big boss. Yeah, I know, he was talking to the boss. Oh, the real he was, boss. Uh, <laughs> He was talking to the oh, boss's boss. Big, just my time in the NFL has been uh, my first time with a coach um, of that structure. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I really think it just depends on what type of professional you are, you know, because the guys that handle their business and are are locked in on what they need to do, you see them, they're performing well. Some of the older guys and been exactly, around a little bit. the guys who understand, right, you know, exactly. Right. You know, those guys, they're still performing well and they're yeah. understanding what they need to do. But, you know, also, you know, coming from Clemson, um, you know, everything was like this. Oh, Dab- you know, this is, what we're, this is the way we're going to yeah, do it. Right. It's but, my way or the highway. But it worked. And, you know, when when it's working and you're winning, it doesn't bother you. Um, and you don't. You start to not know anything different. So um, I, I really appreciate coaches that are like that as well, just, just that set the structure. Because, honestly, football, you know, it's all about structure. Um, and I feel like it's, it's very important. Key there, the key there. When you're winning, you don't mind. When you're, it's when you're winning. Now, if you push everybody as hard as you can, you say, and this is what coaches do. And I, I remember to talk with Pat Riley about this many, many years ago. You only get a certain amount of time. Gaddon's on the clock right now. He's on the clock. I'm going to push you guys. You're going to do it my way. And he's going to tell them, if you do it like this, we're going to have success. You're going to have success. We're going to have success. If you don't have success after three years. It's gone. They stop believing in you. But I've done everything you've said, and we're not winning any football games. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten better. Like, so you, 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 you have to win along with that. It's got a shelf life if you're not winning. It's got a shelf life. No now, doubt. it's not one year. I mean, you've got more time than that. But if you go the first year, you don't win. You go the second year, you don't win. You start off the third year, you don't win. Guys start to tune you out. Mm-hmm. They tune you out because you've told them everything they need to do to win football games and be successful. And if you're doing it and you're not winning, you get. and that's why coaches get fired so early now because you've only got a short shelf life to convince these guys and show them that by doing it your way, you're going to win. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I agree with, I hear everything you're saying. I agree with everything you're saying. I was never hung up on the whole offensive, defensive thing. You know that, right? We've yeah. we've talked about this Cardinals coaching search for 36 straight days. I was never hung up on, you got to get a defensive guy to fix the defense. You got to get an offensive guy to get Kyler. You got to hire a guy who's going to walk into the room and the room's going to go, okay, you're the boss. Okay, you're in charge. Okay, we believe in you. You're holding guys accountable. You're, you know, because Buddha's complaining about the lack of accountability. And Isaiah Simmons is talking about the lack of accountability. And it was very obvious that there was not the level of accountability that needed to be taking place in that building. I don't care whether, I mean, look, one of the best coaches in the NFL right now was a special teams coordinator. John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator. He's routinely one of the best coaches in the NFL. Who cares what his background is? Now, that being said, 
the hire of the offensive coordinator, and we, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, will be a big one. Is a big mm-hmm. deal. Right. That's a big, big deal. Now, everybody says it's going to be Drew Petzing, who is the quarterback's coach of the Cleveland Browns, kind of working with Deshaun Watson. Everybody suggests that Drew Petzing is the leading candidate to be Jonathan Gannon's offensive coordinator. How many guys does he take from the Eagles staff with him offensively? How many? I mean, I got to imagine. And here's the other thing about about Gannon that I'm really curious about. Did his overall vision of the coaches that he was going to bring with him, was it a better vision than Anna Rumos? Was it a better vision than Kafka's? Right? That, that to me is one of my big questions about this that maybe sold the Cardinals on Gannon. What he's like, I'm going to hire this guy's my OC, this guy's going to be my DC, this guy's going to be my quarterback's coach. And did the Cardinals, was that part of the reason why they hired him? They liked the whole package that he was bringing. I would imagine that was part of it. You know, I would imagine that has to be a part of it. You know, you got to sell them on your vision, what you want to do with the team and players and things like that. But you're also talking about your coaching staff. You know, once you know that when you get a budget and I'm going to hire these guys, these are the guys I'm going to target. And here's why. Here's why I like this guy for OC. Here's why I like this guy for DC. Part of the conversation had to be what you're going to hire a guy that's going to get the most out of Kyla Murray. Now, I would have been impressed if Gannon in this little Cardinals video where they showed him running into the weight room to hug Kyla Murray. Uh-huh. If he would have gave him an iPad and say, hey, start studying this now. Test tomorrow, 10 a.m. <laughs> I would have now. I would have been impressed. <laughs> How you doing, Kyla? Hi. Okay, by the yeah, way, here's yeah, an iPad. Here's yeah. the book. Yeah. yeah. Quiz 50, tomorrow, 10 a.m. 50 plays on here. You need to know them all by tomorrow. 50 questions, multiple yeah. choice. <laughs> That, that probably wouldn't have been the best way to ingratiate yourself with Kyler Murray's to give him a test right out of the shoot. Probably not. That's the only thing though. making that video any better is like chariots of fire in the background as he's running down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. That's he's he's running. He opens up the double doors and there's Kyler and he's he comes in. He's clapping for. There's like two guys in the weight room. Like who is this man clapping at us? Who's this crazy man? Who who are? Oh, you're a head coach. Okay, we just we skipped over the whole thing. Kyler's here working out. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Kyler's here dun, working dun, out. Dun. Kyler's here. Kyler's here working out. Kyler's here. Like, you can't like just gloss over that. I I wasn't glossing. Whoa! I wasn't even thinking about it. I love that. Bravo. Yeah. Kyler's in the weight room. Slow clap right there. Yeah, we kind of missed. We, you know. missed oh, by the way, Kyler's by here. The way, by the way, you notice something in the video? Kyler's here. <laughs> it's on a Zoom call in Dallas. <laughs> All right. So the Cardinals have their new head coach. What has stood out about Gannon on day one? We'll go down to the Cardinals facility and we'll find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So I'm sure after uh, Jonathan Gannon realized Kyler Murray was in the building, ran back into the weight room and gave him the big, you know, high five and the bro hug. I'm sure he went chasing after Darren Urban immediately after that lead writer from azcardinals.com to do exactly the same thing. Right. Give him the bro hug. I'm sure. I'm sure that happened. Did that <laughs> write, happen? some, write something nice about me, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Urban from azcardinals.com, our guest, joining us live from the Dignity Health Training Facility for the Cardinals. That video was fun. We enjoyed that, Darren. That was a lot of fun. It was a good video. I have not actually had the opportunity yet to meet, uh, j- meet Jonathan Gannon face-to-face, but it, uh, I'm sure it's coming soon. What did you think of the whole process? I mean, they definitely left no stone unturned. Michael said they were going to cast a wide net, and they clearly did. They took their time with this hire. They interviewed a lot of different people. They had some second interviews, and then they end, in the end, they end up with the Philly defensive coordinator. 
I mean, I think they made it clear that it, it might take a while. And now that we have some information that uh, Monty Austinfort uh, had a desire to talk to Jonathan Gannon and, and had at least some relationship there with him and was intrigued with him as a head coaching candidate. I think a lot of it makes a lot more sense than maybe some of us knew at the time. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, in the end, no one no one's really going to care how long it took if he wins and no one's really going to take care of how long it took if he doesn't win. So uh, I think that's th- those are all good topics in the moment, but it's still going to come down to what happens with this football team in terms of wins and losses. Listen, it's not one coaching hire out there, and maybe even Sean Payton included, that's not risky. There's a lot of risk involved when you're hiring a coach, and especially one that has no experience as a head coach. Uh, but this guy, the, the one thing I did say, he's paid his dues. I mean, from the Falcons to the Titans to the Vikings to the Colts to the Eagles and now to the Arizona Cardinals. It's clear that th- this this guy has worked up to this moment his whole life, and he's paid his dues as a coach in this league. Well, we're certainly not going to have the same kind of uh, talking points that we did when Cliff Kingsbury got hired in that regard. No, there's no question about that. And um, he's not exactly old. I mean, 40 years old for a head coach. I mean, it, we, we have seen some 30-sums being being hired in the past, but um, he, he has been around and he does know what it, it's like coaching this league. And I even like the fact that he spent three years as a scout, which I think will ultimately help him when it comes to draft time and maybe bridging some of the gaps that there can be between coaches and front office personnel and scouts. So I, I, I like a lot of what's in his background. He is he definitely brings an energy. We saw it on the video. Uh, I got a little sense of it. Otherwise, I happened to be in the in the building yesterday uh, during uh, part of his interview, and it was very quiet in the building. There was a number of people that were off yesterday, as you can well imagine, after a very, very long week and a Super Bowl. So there was a lot of people that weren't here. Uh, and at one point, um, he got a little vociferous in whatever he was saying in the, in the in the conference room. You could hear him through the door. So um, you know, I I think I, I think again, I think he brings a lot of energy to the job and beyond that it's going to be tough for me to really know what he's going to be like as a head coach I don't think anybody does and I'm you guys know me I'm, I want to see how the some of this stuff plays out I, I understand that everybody's going to want to make an instant reaction and you have to have those but at the same time there's no way to know exactly what you hired until we see what happens yeah uh, Darren Urban from azcardinals.com lead writer for azcardinals.com our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show I, I, I am still so fascinated about the process because, you know, maybe this is just my imagination kind of running wild, but almost in my imagination, I sort of picture it as all along from day one, the minute Monty Austin Fort was hired, this was kind of the guy he wanted. And I almost imagine that every interview that they did since was sort of a, okay, this is kind of the guy we want. This is the guy we're going to wait for. We can't talk to him until after the Super Bowl. If somebody absolutely blows us away in the 36 days in between Cliff and when we hire our new coach, then maybe we'll consider changing our course. But in the meantime, this is the guy we like. This is the guy I want, thinking Monty Austin Ford. And unless somebody sways me from that, that's the guy I'm going to go with. Does any of that feel like it could be how this went down? 
I mean, I, I think that's possible. I, I, you know, I think that's a question we can ask Monty uh, in the press conference. I would doubt he would be completely forthcoming in that regard, even if it was true, um, because that tends to take away uh, with, from some of the people that interviewed in the in the interim. Um, but you know, I, I think it's it's clear with what's come out so far with Albert Breer's report and and just some of the stuff we've heard today that. Um, Clearly, Monty Ford liked the idea of Jonathan Gannon as a potential head coach. Now, whether that meant that in the end they were just waiting for him all along, I don't know. But um, he was he was definitely something, someone they were. It was worth waiting for to talk to. And then uh, whatever was said yesterday during their meeting clearly kind of backed up what they were already expecting. So, I, I, if it makes fans feel a little bit better of why they waited I mean I do think that explains a little bit more it doesn't seem it doesn't seem haphazard when you add those facts in casting this forward now kind of a a two-parter here how much of a staff do you think he was able to sell Monty and Michael on in terms of guys that he can assemble and then kind of an offshoot of that question how vitally important does the offensive coordinator question now become given that you've hired a defensive-minded head coach? Well, I mean, in terms of... I, I, I'm sure that the staff part came up in these conversations. I'm sure that... Um he has an idea of at least some of the people he wants to be in. Unlike Clint Kingsbury, because he's because Gannon has spent a number of years in the league, he does have a number of contacts. I don't know. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm I'm curious about is whether he brings anybody over from Philadelphia. You know, normally uh, if a if a guy leaves a staff to come do his own head coaching, the head coach there will let you bring maybe one, maybe two guys, depending. Um, but but no more than that. Well, he just the Eagles just lost both coordinators. I don't know if they can afford to lose four coaches off that staff. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, you know. Offensive coordinator is going to be a huge, huge hire here. And who is dealing with Kyler Murray on a daily basis? And it's not just the coordinator. I'm curious about the quarterback's coach, too. So um, I think those, to me, once we get past the pleasantries of Thursday's press conference, I, I think I think those, those are the number one questions. I think, who are you, who's your offensive coordinator? Who's working with Kyler Murray? And... and to a lesser extent and not necessarily that far behind, are you going to be that involved with the defense or who is your defensive coordinator right. going to be and are you going to let him kind of run with things? That's interesting too because uh, while, while the, the, you know, after Cliff was let go, there was a lot of Cardinals coaches that were still under contract. They, they, they were actually allowed to come back to the office. I think at one point there was like 15 of them that were still under contract. Do you know anything at this point? Will he interview some of those? Have they been released from their contract? Vance Joseph and the the rest of the staff that that were still here. I mean, I have not heard anything official about Vance, uh, and I do believe he's still under contract. And I would assume there would be a, a conversation there, unless unless the thought process all along was if you get a defensive guy in here, you, you let Vance know we're, we'll we'll move on. But I mean, there there's still a, a number of coaches that haven't. Nothing's been official, but reports are, uh, are out there that they're leaving for other jobs. So I I would have to go back and look. I'm not even 100 percent sure 
sure how many coaches are still going to be around to be interviewed. I think those are all things that get answered sooner rather than later. And again, I think those are questions that would have been raised during the interview process that I'm sure, at least internally, have already been discussed. The, we saw the video today, and, and part of that that we, that we discussed, with Kyler's here. Kyler's here. Yeah. He's working out. I think a lot of people want to see that. And Michael had made a comment, too, that we, we prefer Kyler to be here. Uh, so to you, good sign that Kyler Murray's here working out? You know, it was interesting. I, I, I mentioned I was in the building yesterday. I came in, and I, I usually come in through the player entrance, and I, I came in the door, and I literally opened the door, and there was Kyler sitting right there uh, uh, checking something on his phone. And I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, Darren, how are you? And I said, are you feeling okay? And he said, yeah. Now, it wasn't a long conversation. I was moving, as I said, at all. and But it was good to see him. And then, obviously, we saw in the video today him ta- briefly talking with Gannon. You know, we'll, we'll see we'll see what this means in terms of the long term. Uh, I know that Kyler, there were reports that he attended a party, a Super Bowl party over the weekend. So it's possible he was in town for the for the Super Bowl and wanted to be here for a little bit. Whether that means he's here for the duration of the offseason, I don't know. Um, but it is good. It is a good sign to see him here. It is a good sign to see him checking in with the Cardinals. And if he is here, that's that's awesome. And, you know, hopefully I get a chance to talk to him about stuff sooner rather than later. But uh, like you said, it's a good sign that he's here right now. Darren Urban from azcardinals.com. We appreciate the time as always. And uh, we will be, I'm sure, be talking to you more about this in the future, man. Thank you as always. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks, Darren. Darren Urban from azcardinals.com. Yeah, I believe um, he and Booker were both invited to Drake's Super Bowl party. I saw some video on Saturday morning, Sunday morning, of Kyler and Book getting out of their cars at the same time on their way into Drake's Super Bowl party. So They got invited to Drake's Super Bowl party. Yeah, you didn't? I did not get that invite. <laughs> Odd. Neither did, mm. neither did I. That's Man. Funny. I'm sure Darren did, because you know Darren gets invited to all stuff like that. But uh, no, did not get invited to Drake's. Well, at least he didn't go home right away. He's here working yeah, out. I'll take whatever, just... whatever days he can spend in a facility working out is a good thing. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 626. 20 right now. Almost five years ago, Devin Booker made a bold proclamation. That bold proclamation has been rewarded and is the truth. And that's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. There was a... Um, I'll just say it, a terrific story on Bright Side of the Sun today as we take a pause from our Jonathan Gannon talk, but I promise we'll never get too far away from it because we know certainly that's the top story of the day if you're listening to us here on Arizona Sports. Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But the Suns right now are pretty hot, too. They've got Kevin Durant coming in in about a week and a half. He was practicing with the team yesterday. There was a terrific story this morning on Bright Side of the Sun, one of the websites we really like to look for when it comes to ideas. They pulled out an old Devin Booker quote from just about four years ago quote i'd like to build a super team i'd like the super team to come to me (laughs) close quote he said it four years ago and dave king the lead writer over there he pointed this out devin booker was 22 years old at the time when he said it he said it after an unexpected road win over the milwaukee bucks to improve the sun's record to four and 14 (laughs) they would be followed by a 10 game losing streak the suns were four and 24 they were on their way to a 19 and 
63 season in their ninth straight non-playoff campaign. And here's this 22-year-old kid at the beginning of that season. I'd like to build a super team. I'd like the super team to come to me. But do you remember what we all thought that super team was going to be? Yeah, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. That's, that's what we thought it was going to be. Booker's boys. Booker's buddies. Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Lo all on the same team. It wasn't a super team. It was like a super friends team. <laughs> you know, the three best friends that anybody ever had. It wasn't a super team. <laughs> By the way, that team would just suck, okay? That would not be a good team. If your three best players were Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, and you're Carl Anthony wrong. Towns, you're not winning many basketball games. You're not wrong. But there were people that sh- that... that Always were trying to put that together. There were fans that were always trying to figure out a way. You know how many fans wanted D'Lo? And how many, oh, trade Aiton for Cat, get Cat. Everybody wanted to see those two. Now, from the time they were on the boat and Booker was wearing one of their jerseys, there was always the thought that that's what Booker really wanted. It wasn't. Booker wanted to win. He didn't really want to reunite with D'Lo. He didn't push to be a right. When D'Lo was a free agent, and I had to fend off the like the mob that wanted D'Lo here, <laughs> Devin Booker was not pushing for the Suns to get D'Angelo Russell. This is a fact. Mm-hmm. He was not pushing them. He didn't go to the Suns and say, go get him, go get him. In fact, he, to the contrary, he wasn't supportive of that. He knew that... For him to be successful, it couldn't be just let me bring my friends here. He needed to get better players here. So he was not pushing for D'Angelo Russell or Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm just laughing at the idea of a mob with like pitchforks and torches coming after you because you kept saying no to D'Angelo Russell. But I mean, for two straight years, every time D'Angelo Russell would come up, you'd keep saying no, 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 no. And everyone kept pushing and asking and hoping. Oh, it was, me- and it was that national and- media that was insistent that he was coming here. Yeah. He never was coming then. Never had interest. Uh, uh, Mitch just looked for the audio. He couldn't find it. But yeah, the original quote was to Vince Goodwill of Yahoo Sports. Quote, dynasties only last for so long. I'm not wishing trades upon any of the super teams, but I'd like to build a super team. I'd like the super team to come to me. And and, and it's it's I don't know if it's by design or if it's just sheer luck or if it's just like the manifest destiny of Devin Booker to be the best two guard in the NBA, which he is right now, I'll be damned if he wasn't absolutely right. Because think about how this current super team was built. And Dave does a great job of pointing this out in his story. Most super teams in the NBA are made through free agency. Guys teaming up. Guys saying, I'm going to sign with this team. You sign with that team and we'll join the guy who's already there and we'll be a super team. Ron, Chris Bosh, D. Wade. Yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the model, but there certainly have been others, too. Steph where, Curry and Durant comes in. I mean, Durant and Kyrie, right? With what, yeah, And James Harden. It was sort of a... I mean, Harden was a trade. Harden was later. This was different in that the Suns, these were two guys you had to trade for to create your super team. And to your point, this isn't some garden variety good player in the NBA. This is Chris Paul who wanted to come play with Devin Booker. This is Kevin freaking Durant who wanted to come play with Devin Booker, right? I mean, these are two of legitimately the all-time best players in the history of the game choosing Devin Booker as the guy, well, I want to go play with that guy. That's the guy I want to be with. And I just, there's part of me, we've all seen Devin Booker's greatness. There's part of me, Gambo, I swear that it still blows my mind just a little bit that Devin Booker became so good and such a magnet and such a Pied Piper that Kevin Durant and Chris Paul would want to come play with him. There's still part of me that actually can't believe that became reality. The moment moment I realized it was when LeBron started to praise 
Devin Booker. Yeah. And that's when you were like, oh, okay, okay. And then didn't he always pick him on his on the All Star team? Wasn't always. he the first pick? He was the first pick, wasn't last he? Last year he was the first pick, right? But there was the praise from LeBron that was like, okay, there was a lot of uh, for a few years there was a talk that Devin Booker is great, but he's not a superstar, not a superstar, just a great player, just you know really good to great, and he's elevated his game to be one of the superstars that people wanted to play with. Now getting on that team USA that that team USA team was huge, like that was big for him to be a part of that, to get in the games, to you know to be able to showcase himself. People liked him. Okay, they liked him. They wanted to play with him. He's an unselfish star, right? Because he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. So people wanted to play with Devin Booker. It is interesting how it all came about. Listen, me and you grew up in in an era, too, where a lot of the superstars didn't want to go play with other superstars because they felt that I want to try to win it. Here, I don't want to go team up with somebody that takes a lot of the luster away. So Patrick Ewing was by himself. Reggie Miller was by himself. Yeah. Dominique Wilkins was by himself. Charles Barkley in Philly was by himself. And he, so there, a lot of the stars didn't team up with anybody else. They kind of stayed where they were. They just tried to win. And you hope to get pieces around those guys. You know, the Knicks traded Bill Cartwright for Charles Oakley so they could give Patrick Ewing Charles Oakley. But they didn't get a superstar to play with him. He was surrounded by John Starks. And, you know, guys like that. So this day and age, it's a lot easier to team up the best players together. Yeah, it it, it is because you can, you know, these guys are kind of working behind the scenes and they make their choices. And in some cases, like Chris Bosh, you sacrifice a little financially. I mean, it it is it really is extraordinary because Dave, like I mentioned, goes into great detail talking about the kind of the Suns and their history. He writes in 50 years of Suns franchise history to date, they had only ever acquired six all NBA first team players from other teams. Connie Hawkins, Paul Westfall, Dennis Johnson, Charles Barkley, Jason Kidd, and Steve Nash. They also had only ever drafted one All-NBA first team player in Amari Stoudemire, and yet in four years and four months, Devin Booker got two All-NBA uh-huh. first team guys in Chris Paul and Kevin Durant they to chased. come here. They traced Tracy McGrady. They chased Kobe Bryant. They were always chasing. Even more recently when LaMarcus Aldridge was a star with Earl Watson here, they chased LaMarcus Aldridge. The Suns have always been kind of, you know, the bridesmaid. Never the bride, always the bridesmaid. We can't get those guys. We just can't get those other guys. So that was always, or sometimes you would get guys past their prime, a la Shaquille O'Neal, when you traded Sean Marion for him. But it wasn't for the lack of trying. Phoenix always tried to get some of the great players that came in. Now, remember they put Jason Kidd and Penny Hardaway together. Like at that back time, Jason, 2000. Backcourt 2000. Backcourt, Jason, I still have a t-shirt somewhere. Yeah. Oh my God, do you? <laughs> I think you I, do not. I think I still have the Backcourt 2000 t-shirt somewhere. Oh it's, my it's, God, I'd be so impressed if any listeners out there tweet me a picture of the Backcourt 2000 I shirt that they have. I think it's in like a good stuff box somewhere. You know how you keep like good stuff boxes, right? You just yeah. stuff that you just kind of throw in a box and you throw up on a shelf somewhere. I think somewhere in a good stuff box I have a, I know I have a 1993 Western Conference Finals champion t-shirt from the Suns. I yeah. know that's in a box, I think in the same box is the backward. That's my favorite breaking story ever. Yeah, I remember, was that yeah, one. Yeah, that was my favorite breaking story ever. Didn't you sit on that one for a long? No, that no, I was, went with it right away, but it took two weeks for, for it so, to happen. That's right. So I was just quick. I was on the phone. I was on the phone with George McLeod. He played for the Suns, and he called me. He says, "Hey, are, are, are you somewhere? Hold on, it's gonna be thirty seconds. I promise it'll be quick." He goes, "Go somewhere quiet." So okay, all right. so I go somewhere quiet. I go in my closet. He goes. 
the Suns are getting Penny Hardaway. I'm like, get out of here. He goes, the Suns are getting, we're getting Penny Hardaway. We're getting Penny. I'm like, there's no way. So he goes, listen, I'm going to do a three-way with Jason Kidd right now. Don't say a word. Just listen. So he calls up Jason Kidd. And I'm listening to Jason Kidd, George McLeod. Penny's coming into town. He's going to stay at my house. It's a done deal. Da, 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 da. So the next day, because back in those days, we didn't have social media to no, break the story. No. I had to, so then I break the story. The Suns are going to get Penny Hardaway. I know you remember this because it was literally I about this now, yes. 10 days until it happened. So I went 10 days swearing to the world that the Suns were going to get, going to get, to get, were going to get Penny Hardaway. And it just took forever to happen. And it happened because I was on a three-way call with Jason Kidd and George McLeod when Without Jason even knowing. You must have been scared to death for those 10 days. Like, oh, God, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I, got I heard it so Jason, wrong. but Jason said he's a done deal. He's coming. He's going to stay at my house. I mean, I <laughs> I had all the information based That's on funny. just listening to a conversation. Practice number one for Suns forward Kevin Durant's check. And we'll talk about it. And we'll tell you what Devin Booker had to say about Kevin Durant next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. By the way, yes, today's Valentine's Day. Did you see Juju Smith Schuster Valentine's <laughs> message? This is so low, dude. This is so low. You got it in front of you. I'll I hold you when it matters most. Two from, and he's got a picture of Bradbury there. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. From Juju Smith-Schuster, he's got a photo, I'll hold you when it matters most, of James Bradbury. Now, A.J. Brown was like, A.J. Brown, first off, congratulations, you all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like uh, you're like that or ever was. But congratulations again. (laughs) Man, A.J. Brown, come on, dude. She was like, Juju Smith was like, glad you were finally able to get all of that off your chest after all these years. Good game, bro, with a thumbs up and a ring. Juju Juju rubbing it in. Schuster, I'll hold you when it matters most. And A.J. Brown just opening up a can on him to respond on Twitter. Yeah, I saw it. I got a good laugh out of that. First of all, congratulations. You all deserve it. This is lame. TikTok boy. TikTok boy. He was on the way out of the league before more resurrected your career. That's fantastic. That's really, really good. Yeah, no, I, I did see that. The way you started off the conversation, you're like, today's Valentine's Day, right? I'm like, oh, dear God, he doesn't know. You're in such trouble. He doesn't know. You do know, right? Yeah. Valentine's Day. Okay. Yes, I do know today's Valentine's Day. Of course I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just making sure. I've got a Valentine's Day. I'm your consigliere over here. That's I just, right. I want to... I want to make sure you've you've done the that proper I things you need to do. Yeah, yeah of course. Of okay, course. good. Just making yeah. sure. Making yeah. sure. Um, Kevin Durant practiced yesterday for the first time. Uh, he could say every day is Valentine's Day for my wife. God, did those <sighs> words just come out of your mouth? I mean, really? All right, hit dump. <laughs> really? I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Just trying to have some fun with it. Well, you know what? That's what we're all about here on the Burns and Gamble Show. Yes. We're all about fun. We're having fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun when Kevin Durant is going to make his debut for the Phoenix Suns. Now, we just got a text from our buddy Jay Feely who's like, why the hell is it taking so long for Kevin Durant to make his debut? He's got the knee injury. Yeah. The all-star break is coming up. 
He's not going to play in the All-Star. There's only two games before the All-Star break, and then they don't play for another week after that. So there's no reason to really rush this or anything. But he was there yesterday. We'll hear from him for the first time on Thursday. We did hear from Devin. Thursday's Booker a busy today. day. All of a sudden, Thursday's huh? a really, really busy day. Um, but he looked good at practice yesterday. Check that box. He there he happy. is. Look good in Suns uniform. He's out there doing his thing. And I, hey, you know what? I'll take it. Bring on Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, just a glimpse of him in the Suns uniform on the court. Just, just got people excited. You know, I mean, listen. Even if he would have taken a bunch of shots and missed them, he looks good. He looks good. He looks so good, Kevin Durant. You just salivated over the fact that he's going to be. You know, playing for the Phoenix Suns and, uh, you know, trying to lead this team to their first ever championship. And, and I think it's just more than anything, it's just, it's just a sign that, you know, cause a lot of people just haven't been paying attention to the Nets and all of a sudden Durant's here and he, but he's not playing. Like we're, a lot of people aren't 100% sure what's going on. He's coming back very soon. He's coming back very soon. Yeah. You know, that's seeing him on the court, just like when you saw Booker on the court shooting sh- shots, it was like, okay, he'll be back at any, any, any game now. Same thing with Durant. He's very, very close to coming back. They're not going to rush it. They'll wait till after the All-Star break. And I'll be back. Booker today talking about Kevin Durant. What has stuck out to him about KD since he's been here? I mean, it's just, it's just something that you got to be around. You know, it's a feeling when you're around greatness, when you're around one of the best to ever do it. You know, it's just a, you know, it's a different look. It's a different feel. You know, kind of hard to put to words, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. And then he said he was asked if it's easier getting somebody like KD to join your team based off of the success you've already had. Yeah, I mean, I think we built something that, you know, the, the league has picked up on. You know, we are probably the laughing stock of the NBA about four or five years ago. And just turning that around to something serious to championship contenders is, you know, a quick turnaround for us. So we take a lot of pride in what we've built here. And, you know, for this to be a destination that Kev wanted to come to is, a, you know, a, a big sign of that. You know, to show respect of what we've done so far. And, you know, we still have more to do, but, you know, we're moving in the right direction. But it's such a good point, you know, like... We were a laughing stock. How quickly they turned it around from a laughing stock to a destination. Doesn't usually happen overnight like that. That was overnight. The bubble was not that long ago. I'm glad you said it, Gambo. I will I will when I think back to the pandemic, and obviously it was a really weird, confusing time for a lot of us. I will never forget doing those shows from your house. From in particular your office when the because we did we did the show from your house three different locations we started in the backyard the weather was beautiful we moved inside into the kitchen and we did the NFL draft coverage from your kitchen that year 2020 but we were too loud so we eventually got kicked back into your office because we were just being too noisy in there and just sitting in your office watching every single one of those games while we were on the air of the Suns in the bubble and not even realizing in the moment how big of a deal it was that the Suns we're going to go 8-0 and everything that has transpired since then like I still, I think back to the pandemic like a lot of us do and we don't have great thoughts, we don't have great memories man I'm going to hold on to those 8 games in the bubble so tight as a Suns fan because that time meant everything for this organization, everything but I remember coming off of the bubble and then the off season and then you know obviously they make some trades and everything like okay, even after they got Chris Paul, you're like they're a playoff team. They're a playoff team now. There's no doubt about it. They're probably a six seed. And then they're in the NBA Finals. Like, 
that like that jump was kind of miraculous. Okay, they probably shouldn't have even been in a bubble, but they expanded it because they wanted to get what was in New Orleans. Zion, in. they wanted Zion there. So the Suns get in, they make the move, and that was with Ubre and and Baines and Rubio, and, uh, uh, yeah, Rubio, and, and they they trade those guys, they move on, they end up with an older aging Chris Paul. You're like, okay. This uh, this solidifies them as a playoff team. They will definitely be in the playoffs next year. This drought is over. But nobody thought that they were going to be like a championship contending team. We just thought that they'd be a, a six seed in the playoffs. I remember thinking best case scenario, they'd be a four seed. Like the very best they could do was being a four seed in the West. And I didn't think they were even going to get there. I just thought best case scenario, they're a fourth seed. One more from Booker today. He was asked if he's watched Brooklyn since the trade of Mikel and Cam. You see where number one? Yeah. You know I'd reach out to him. Like that. I've been waiting on this is like, guys, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, it's, you know, I've seen a lot of trades. I've seen a lot of things done, but you know, this one probably is the one that sits with me the most. Um, it probably will for a long time, but you know, you get the opportunity. Mikel's getting a chance to. You know, play as if he was when I wasn't out there the past month and a half. And, you know, he can only get better from here. And I'm you know, excited to watch. So he's giving Mikel crap for wearing number one with the Nets. Is that what that is? Yeah. You, oh, he's wearing, oh, you're wearing number one, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, who gave you that idea? <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you get that from, Mikel? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome, I had man. to click. There was audio today of, like, Cam Johnson speaking after the Nets game. They got beat last night. You know, Cam and Mikel are like, oh, I just have to listen to it. And heard Cam talking about his new team and coming together. And, and it's just, it's kind of shocking. You know, it's hard. It's still... Still takes some getting used it's to. It's taking some getting used to that, to have Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges on a different team. All right, when we come back, the Arizona Cardinals have their new coach. The Suns have a big game tonight. We got news out of the NFL with a quarterback change. We got a lot going on. We'll get you caught up on all of it. Four o'clock reset is next. Burns and Gambo.